Sarah Cameron, I think one of the, the great stories about Newcastle, well, it's many great stories, but it's based in things that you can't see. And sometimes we talk about the old coal mines that are under the city, but it's a city of tunnels and hidden spaces, isn't it? It is, because the expertise to actually drive these tunnels, it, it must be in our blood here or something. I mean, we must be genetically programmed to um, to create tunnels in all, in all sorts of places. And this one is quite intriguing in itself, isn't it? Because we are basically underneath Memorial Drive here and not many people would realise that there's actually a tunnel that runs about 150 metres underneath Memorial Drive that comes from Nesca Parade, from the back of Nesca Parade and it runs right through to, to the sea. I think the tunnel under Memorial Drive is one of those great, you know, is it real, is it yeah, myth stories, yeah. it's like the map <laughs> it's like the baths under the old city arcade it's one of those isn't it yeah is it urban mythology or or is it based in fact and well as you can see it's all bricks and mortar the tunnel is actually part of the military fortification the system of defense for the second world war um, effort this one was the uh, tunnel that allowed the first searchlight, so the searchlight that actually um, uh, provided uh, cover for uh, the southern the southern sweep of the ocean um, and for surveillance of the southern sweep of the ocean, so down to Redhead um, and then back around towards uh, Shepherd's Hill. This one was actually driven by Hunter Waterboard, would you believe? Uh, they were engaged by the Commonwealth, by the um, Department of Defence in 1940 to actually drive this tunnel under the hill. So um, what we have is basically 150 metre long brick-lined tunnel. We also have um, a concrete engine room and the engine room basically allowed the searchlight to be, to be powered. So it was powered by diesel generator and uh, the concrete engine room itself is quite an engineering feat. It had to be um, impervious to withstand blasts from um, bombs and the like. So as you can see, it's, it's, it was built for purpose, it was fit for purpose. It is never going anywhere and there's actually a couple of rooms at the start of the tunnel where the engine... You could live in here. Y- yeah, well, if, if, if you didn't, you know, if you weren't fussy about things like um, windows and, and, and micro bats, yes, but they're quite large rooms and there's also another room that we walked past... Uh, down in the middle of the tunnel. Yeah, that that was that's the mess hut. So when it's so that the searchlight could be manned 24 hours a day, uh, obviously uh, you would you would want really quick changeover between shifts. So that mess room had a little stove in there, and it probably would have had beds um, for people to for the men to sleep in as they were uh, between shifts. Yeah. How long was that searchlight actually manned for? And it must have been a hell of a searchlight if you're talking about from um, underneath Redhead, yeah. the, the, the Streslicky lookout yeah. there down yeah. to Redhead. That's a, yeah. that's a whopper of a light. Yeah, it is. Um, as you can appreciate, they weren't looking for military craft. They were looking for sea craft. So they were looking for submarines and, and warships as well. And um, this one actually was the first searchlight. And then there was a number two searchlight, which its engine room is still within King Edward Park. At the bottom of the old bowling club there, there's a Norfolk, Norfolk Island pine. Um, if anyone wants to go and have a look at, 
Yeah. Look for the pine. Look for the pine <laughs> and you will find the engine room. This engine room for the number one searchlight obviously is privately owned, so um, people can't come and look at this one. But the one in the park, you know, you can if you can find it, then go and have a look at it by all means. When you get to South Newcastle Beach, if you're doing the walk along Shortland Esplanade around into King Edward Park, you'll see the uh, number two searchlight um, station and that's a, a little concrete uh, structure which uh, people probably think oh what, what's that it has a tunnel connecting it to its engine room as well which is the one under the bowling the old bowling club mm. people would love to go through those tunnels oh and how wonderful would it be able to take people through there but as you said the the engine room for the number two searchlight tunnel is privately owned and it's quite extraordinary because somebody at some stage in the 60s or something has just gone yep that'd make great foundations for my new place thanks I'm just yeah. going to build on it yeah I know it's it really really intrigues they me. are the best foundations in yeah. Newcastle absolutely rock solid not going anywhere um, and isn't it curious that you've got a very typical 1960s period red brick um, set of flats sitting above it it's it's the best the best example of adaptive reuse I think I've probably ever seen anywhere and we're not going to tell you exactly where it is because it is private property and you, you really shouldn't go stalking people's yeah. driveways okay because that's that's not a nice thing to do they'll they'll, they'll call the police <laughs> yeah. isn't it interesting though sarah to think about war and and newcastle you know we in australia i think generally have taken our safety and security so much for granted you know, we've faced very few few real threats but this was a real threat and yeah. there was real fear even if it is hard for us to imagine now. Yeah that's right and I guess that's why uh, the Shepherd's Hill installation was um, was upgraded and, and its capacity was enhanced at a time when Australia was actively at war and, and, and the war did actually um, come to our doorstep and as we know Newcastle um, was fired on by the enemy um, and it did return fire from the guns at Fort Scratchley which I think is pretty amazing and most people think that's a pretty cool achievement. It is an amazing story though because if you grow up outside Newcastle you probably don't know mm. that Newcastle was attacked, that Newcastle was shelled. You you would probably know about the mini submarines in Sydney Harbour yeah. uh, and the sinking of the Cuttable and of course you would know about Darwin. That's it. You don't, at least I don't think kids outside Newcastle learn the story mm. of the shelling of our own city. And interestingly, we've, we've actually got the physical evidence of, of that whole story about the war effort here in Newcastle still surviving, um, such as Fort Scratchley, which we know played such a pivotal role in, the, in securing the port during the war. And you've got the Shepherd's Hill military installation as well. The thing about Shepherd's Hill is that you had all three codes um, operating from that one observation post. So you had the Navy, the Army and the Air Force all in, within the same building. So that, I think, demonstrates just how important strategically Newcastle was to the war effort. Um, we had BHP here who were actually manufacturing munitions for the war effort. So, you know, on a lot of levels, Newcastle was extremely important um, and so very important to actually make sure that that the port was secure and that's why you have 
Fort Scratchley and Shepherd's Hill and also um, the, the three installations themselves do demonstrate how strategically, Fort Wallace, yeah, how important Newcastle was strategically um, in terms of that war effort. Sarah, as the city's heritage strategist, there are things, there are parts of our heritage obviously that we can see and that we can enjoy and that we can use every day. Then there are these other hidden spaces that we can't see and we can't use and we can't access them. So why should we care about them? Well, because they really do go to the heart of what our, what our city is about, about our history, about our heritage and, and really help to kind of reinforce our sense of identity and, and add to a sense of place here in Newcastle too, that we have these um, amazing, sometimes little known underground treasures that really do um, exemplify you know, our history. They demonstrate aspects of our history and that's why we should care for them. And, and I th- they set us apart too, you know, these things really make us quite unique in terms of, you know, being a city on the sea, that, that's pretty amazing in that we're a, quite a historic city on the sea with, you know, amazing scenic qualities. And we have, you know, a collection of underground um, archaeology and underground treasures and, yeah, they really do um, say something about who we are as a city, how we've evolved, how we've developed um, and our place within the nation's history. You and I were both with John de Gravio as he had his um, his team out with their ground penetrating radar the other day looking for signs of Macquarie down at Nobby's Beach. What are you hoping for? Well, any any sort of buried treasure is very exciting. So you know, even if uh, Gioni is not able to locate the the the, uh, the memorial stone. Um, I think what what that project has done is it's it's again reignited interest in in Newcastle's very um, early colonial history. We Newcastle has always been an important city for you know the the modern nation of Australia and and that is exemplified by the fact that Governor Macquarie came here. He laid the foundation stone for the building of the Macquarie Pier, and that was all about trying to provide safe shipping into the harbour because there were resources here that were being exploited and that were valuable to the colony such as cedar, lime, coal, all those natural resources that were very very important both economically and also in terms of allowing the colony to to develop and grow. How good would it be to actually find part of the the wall that was built, the, the retaining wall for the original Macquarie Pier to uncover it, to be able to see it, to go and sit on it. Well, the other thing too is that um, we can actually still see uh, not parts of the original wall because, you know, it has been embellished and, and added to over the years, but the permanent way, so the actual easement itself for the Macquarie Macquarie Pier, excuse me, um, it, it's still there. The breakwater itself still sits on that original alignment. And uh, some people at the university through Gioni's team have done amazing work in terms of overlaying um, some early plans um, from 1818, 1820. And they've been able to quite accurately relate it to the modern cadaster and show the exact alignment of Macquarie Pier. So even if we don't get to see, you know, the, the retaining wall and, and its structure, we've still got uh, that permanent way. It's, it's still sitting in, in, in its original alignment, um, you know, as, a, as evidence of the building of that breakwater.